police in the morning. Six friends on a road trip gone wrong, a sleepy, creepy Texas town, a sinister inn with murder on the menu, and an army of the undead who can only be stopped by decapitation or chainsaw. If you think you've seen it all before, you're dead wrong. Eric Palladino, Ever Carradine, Jeremy Sisto, and Gina Phillips star in the action-packed, blood-drenched horror comedy that takes the genre to outrageous new extremes. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. Bros. Here, B-Movie is the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. Here we are, back for week two of our getaway month, you know, after quarantine has been lifted. We all just want to get away somewhere. Anywhere but home. And, you know, the, the camping trip with cannibals didn't really work out last week, so we're trying something a little more upscale, a bed and breakfast with the 2004 film Dead and Breakfast. So, let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. You heard what the back of the box has to say. Paul, what do you have to say? Let's start with the top three this time. Alright, I'll go first. So, for me, the top, number three, the dialogue. I thought the lines were funny, they were well-placed, and, you know, it all just made sense to me. Number two, the action, the blood, gore, special effects used in all those scenes... It's all practical effects, and it looks really good and really fun. It, aside from the, the severed head puppet thing, which looks like a piece of shit, but, you know, it just seems to work out. I feel like that one's better because it looks like a piece of shit. Piece of shit. And then, number one, the zombie song and dance number that's in this movie. Whereas in most movies, especially this one where you have parts where someone's narrating it through song, but it's not actually taking part within the movie itself. This part actually is in the film itself, and the characters actually comment on the zombies singing and dancing for really no reason other than to put a good song in there with, you know, a catchy line like, Blood is as sweet as moonshine whiskey. Turns out musical numbers was what would revive the zombie franchise. So, number three... Despite the fact this movie really just kind of parodies, like, cliches of zombie movies and just kind of does things that are goofy, you know, it's got, you know, the rednecks and turning into zombies, it's got the useless and dumb, I think they're teenagers, people in their 20s, it actually has a kind of unique means of turning people into, into zombies, basically there's this old Buddhist box where this one guy's dead baby is in it and it if you put somebody's uh, something that belongs to somebody into the box, they turn into a zombie. Doesn't make any sense, but that's cool. Like you don't actually have to kill them, and it made for you know an interesting kind of a I want to say twist, but variation in a very tired uh, cliche genre. Number two, I enjoyed the humor in this movie. It was genuinely funny. It made fun of a lot of like cliches. It didn't take itself too seriously, and. There's occasionally some uh, clever jokes, um, especially with the dialogue, which brings me to the next um, one, which is my number one. The narrator guitarist, Randall Keith Randall, was just hilarious. He had great songs about zombies and, like, really great lines in it, and it was, just, it was a lot of fun. And he was the one who performed the, um, the song that Corey had mentioned earlier, which, uh, yeah, definitely the best part of the film. So he is definitely the best character overall. Like, there is no... No competition there. Uh, not that there's much of a competition, but if there was, he'd still win. 
Now, on to the bottom, the things that we found worst about the movie. For me, number three. Most of the characters were just plain unlikable. And, you know, when you have a movie based around a bunch of characters and what's going on with them, you know, typically you should you should try and make them more likable. But uh, I don't think this movie really cared. It just wanted to kill them off anyway. Didn't want them to stop being cliches of whatever they were. Number two. The way to defeat the main enemy was, like, super convoluted. There were a bunch of ceremonies and bone stakes and, you know, fucking fires and hearts and specific talismans that you had to burn and it was just like really did it have to be so super complicated and number one johnny who you know ended up being the main you know possessed person could have easily won and just killed everybody at the very beginning of his possession when people went to the house by just you know being like hey all my forces attack at once but no he waited he plotted and it just kind of backfired on him not doing it all at once. And honestly, I would have liked to see the villain win this time around. So number three, this movie felt kind of long at times. It's um, It was paced relatively well, but there are definitely scenes where they're either explaining stuff or they're just doing shit. And it's like, all right, like... It just feels like it's a lot longer than it is. Um, I think it's just because most of it was really well-paced that you notice the, like, dead time, but pun intended. But, um, yeah, there are definitely times where I'm like, all right, just, just get on with it, guys. Number two. So, like Corey said, I didn't particularly like any of the characters except for, you know, Randall, Keith, Randall. They were meant to be cliched. You're not really supposed to feel much for them, but... Once, I've said this for other reviews, when you don't really care about a character because they're cliched, well, you don't really care about what happens. Like, jokes still work, but, you know, you're not really drawn into anything that's going on. There's no real stakes at hand. Well, I think in this one, though, they made them cliche enough that, you know, you cared enough that you wanted them to die. You cared about them in that way. You just, you were like, please, please die. I want to see you die the worst death you can. Some of them. And then when they did die, it seemed like it was just, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, well, now we're here. And number one, so it kind of felt like every conflict in this movie could have been avoidable. It was completely avoidable. They could have just walked away or, you know, not messed with that box with the, you know, that sacred Buddhist box that turns people into zombies or, you know, just walked away, just driven away and, you know, pretending none of it happened. I, I mean, honestly, they, they were in a fucking Winnebago. There was no reason for them to stay at a bed and breakfast. They yeah. Were, they were in a house on wheels. Yeah, and that, that, that was one of the funny things about it, yet, like, I, I guess I gotta point it out, is that, yeah, nothing really had to happen. It just kind of did happen. So, yeah, everything in this movie could have basically been avoidable, been avoided with, you know, some common sense, and maybe a little bit of, like, um, forethought. Since Paul and I both had dialogue in our top three in one sense of or, no or another, let's give this film a good old-fashioned quote war. quote war. We'll quote this movie back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. Paul, I'll let you get started. All right. Don't let me catch you with your dick in my bush again. I like hunting and fishing. I'm kidding. Come on. I'm a red meat man who likes his films glorious, and let's continue on with our story. Trying to sneak a lie past me is like trying to sneak a sunbeam past a rooster. This investigation is still under investigation. 
Had I known it'd feel this good to bash your brains in, I'd have done it a long time ago. Fewer brain cells make you more tolerable. Aren't you supposed to be the spiritual, non-violent type? How would you like it if I piss in your soup? Not very much. <laughs> that ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this movie or anything else you'd like to say about it, please leave it in the comments below. It's time to give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale. 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 2 out of 10. I also gave it a 2 out of 10. Dead and Breakfast is like when bubbles form at the top of a boiling pot, but don't overflow. It's just enough over the top not to ruin its own jokes. The movie blends fun lines, gore, and a different version of your typical zombie siege film. I mean, sure, it's technically a possession film, but the movie even jokes about that itself. You know, I'd stay at this Dead and Breakfast to get away any time of the year. Dead and Breakfast is one of those rare treasures found amongst the never-ending sea of, jo of zombie movies. It's not a particularly unique film and doesn't really try to be. The comedy is a fusion of slapstick and absurdity that pokes fun at the genre while not really taking itself seriously. It's a fun time with plenty of laughs throughout the hour 27 minute run. Dead and Breakfast is one film worth getting up early in the morning for. Well, uh, you know, nice 2 out of 10. It was a fun film for both of us. But, you know, if you don't agree on that, you know, or you just want to have some fun, we've always got ways to drink away the stick. Drink away this flick. So come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away this flick. Bum, 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 bum. We'll give you some drinking games for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time the sheriff uses a hyperbole, take a drink. Number two, every time the box is open, take a drink. Number three, whenever Randall Keith Randall is singing, take a drink. Number four, anytime the drifter doesn't light a cigarette, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's getaway month, whenever they talk about getting away or being on a trip, Take a drink. Every time a scene is shown through as comic book panels, take a drink. Every time something new is put into the box, take a drink. Every time Christian's head is used as a puppet, take a drink. And every time someone mentions roadkill, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the flick. If you have any other thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Movie related, you can let us comment on their iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros.gmail.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com dash bmoviebros, follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros, or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. Check out all their other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website bmoviebros.com, where we have new shows each week. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links are right below. We've come to the week end of week two for Getaway Month. Let's rank the two movies we've seen. In the numbers two spot was Cannibal Campout, which was a fucking atrocious piece of shit. I mean, it did have John McBride's perfect hair, but that's really the only thing it had going for it. Does the movie really need anything else, though? And number one, Dead in Breakfast. I mean, good gore, good dialogue, just an all-around fun film to get together and watch any time of the year. Yeah, this wasn't really a hard ranking. Uh, number two is Cannibal Campout. Worst camping trip ever. And number um, number one, which was Dead and Breakfast. Not the worst bed and breakfast I've ever been to. So next week, we're going to take a look. You know, we, we've gone camping. We've gone to a bed and breakfast. I think it's time for a nice romantic getaway. Just just two people going mm. off to a cabin in the woods by our lonesome. Um, with my personal favorite Tara Reid movie of all time, the 2003 film Devil's Pond. Sounds romantic. So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more.
Ja, det är